everyone, and welcome to this RMD Open podcast. I'm Sofia Ramiro, a rheumatologist in training and senior researcher at Leiden University Medical Center and at Zouderland Medical Center in the Netherlands. And I'm delighted to introduce our special guest for this edition, Dr. Christina Duftner, rheumatologist from the Medical University of Innsbruck in Austria. Christina is the first author of the article from RMD Open entitled Imaging in Diagnosis, Outcome Prediction and Monitoring of Large Vessel Vasculitis, a Systematic Literature Review and Meta-Analysis Informing the EULA Recommendations. I am the senior author of this paper, but as part of the editorial board of RMD Open, in this podcast, I will have the role of interviewing Christina. Christina, thank you very much for accepting our invitation to this podcast. I would like to begin by asking you, why is this study so important? We have conducted a systematic literature review to inform the EULA recommendations for the use of imaging in large vessel vasculitis in clinical practice. With this review, we can inform readers on the value of imaging in large vessel vasculitis, which can help clinicians in their daily clinical practice. Can you share with us the key findings of the study, Christina? Our review and meta-analysis has shown a good diagnostic performance of ultrasound of temporal arteries for the diagnosis of cranial GCA based on 17 studies. The identification of a halo sign showed a pooled sensitivity of 77% and a pooled specificity of 96% when a clinical diagnosis was used as reference standard. The halo sign is shown to be the key elementary U.S. lesion for vasculitis, but also other U.S. signs were addressed at most in combination with the halo sign, and these were the noses, occlusion, and the compression sign. Interestingly, the combination of the halo sign together with the noses and occlusion reveals a similar diagnostic performance as the halo sign alone. The diagnostic performance of the halo sign in ultrasound was comparable to that of magnetic resonance imaging with a pooled sensitivity of 73% and a pooled specificity of 88%, in which thickening as well as a contrast enhancement of the vessel wall of superficial temporal arteries was considered as signs of vasculitis. The eight studies addressing the rule of MRI for diagnosing cranial GCA were homogeneously designed and showed similar limitations regarding the quality assessment. Of note, all these studies were performed in only two specialized centers. Furthermore, MRI is more expensive than ultrasound and more difficult to assess for every patient. Thank you, Christina. And what is the consequence of these findings? How do they translate to clinical practice? Very briefly, an early imaging test is recommended in patients with suspected large vessel vasculitis, with ultrasound and MRI being the first choices in GCA and Takayasu arteritis, respectively. CD or PET may be used alternatively uh, depending on the clinical situation. In case the diagnosis is still unclear, uh, after clinical examination and imaging, additional investigations, including temporal artery biopsy and or additional imaging, are required 
This resulted in the EULA recommendations for imaging in large vessel vasculitis in clinical practice, which have been published in the Annals of the Rheumatic Diseases as a separate paper that I would invite you to read. Okay, that seems very relevant. And But previously you also mentioned that there is a lack of data on imaging techniques in extracranial large vessel uh, GCA. Do you have an explanation for that? Indeed, there is an explanation for that. It is especially the lack of an adequate reference standard for the diagnosis of extracranial large vessel GCA which makes it really to a challenge to investigate how imaging death performs. Such a standard is urgently needed to facilitate future studies in this field. And what about other types of large vessel vasculitis? You now highlighted only results on cranial and extracranial large vessel GCA. You're completely right. For Dakayashu arteritis, there was only a single study evaluating the rule of computed tomography and MR angiography. Thus, these results need to be interpreted with caution. Definitely. And another topic is about the, in daily clinical practice, the usage of the ultrasound is limited because of its operator's dependency. What about the diagnostic ultrasound studies included in this review? Were they all performed in highly specialized centers? In other words, how can the findings be transferred to centers with less specialized ultrasonographers? And can you say something about the methodological quality of the studies? Yeah, indeed. The 17 studies on ultrasound for diagnosing cranial GCA included in our systematic review were published within two decades and therefore revealed a worth mentioning heterogeneity regarding the study design. For instance, the definitions of suspected disease or the reference standards used, but also the risk of bias, the quality of the ultrasound devices, and as well as the use and duration of glucocorticoid therapy before the imaging test, and so on. All these parameters made the interpretation of the findings really challenging. And we therefore performed sensitivity analysis for the diagnostic performance of the HALO sign compared to the clinical diagnosis of cranial GCA. We looked, for instance, at the different settings. As an example, I'd like to mention uh, that we focused on ultrasound devices with better resolution separately from those with lower resolution. We also focused on studies in which patients were not exposed to glucocorticoids before the index test, and so on. And all this analysis revealed even a higher bulk sensitivity, which ranged from 86 to 89% than the main analysis, and showed comparable or slightly lower specificities. Overall, the results of the sensitivity analysis supported the robustness of our main analysis and the application of ultrasound in different settings that may be found in daily clinical practice as well. And besides diagnosis, the question also arises whether imaging techniques have a role for outcome prediction or monitoring disease activity or damage? Yeah, the studies on the rule of the imaging techniques 
for outcome prediction and monitoring of disease activity and damage of large vessel vasculitis were limited and mainly non-informative because of their heterogeneous study design and of being mostly descriptive, not enabling us an inferential conclusion. Thus, at this moment, we need to be cautious on the interpretation of these findings. But this is a topic that has certainly been included in the research agenda, and we hope to see more development in the upcoming years. Very good to know. Thank you very much, Christina, and also thank you for your participation and for sharing with us your perspective of the, play, of the paper. It was my pleasure. And thank you to our audience for listening, and please note that you can find the full paper on the RMD Open website. Thank you.